Hey, welcome to New City Online. I'm Ron. And I'm Tammy. And thanks so much for tuning in. Hey, if it's your first time checking out New City Church, we want to say a special welcome to you. If you want to take that step and connect with us, we want to make it as easy as possible. You can do so by going to newcity.us connect. Fill the form out there and I'll be in touch with you this week. And we all have those places where we have concerns, places that we need healing, situations that we need answers. And so we want to be praying for you. Let us know how we can do that by going to newcity.us slash prayer. And here at New City Church, we celebrate baptism on a regular basis, and it's a big deal. If you wanna learn more about being baptized, what that means, and maybe even take that step, you can do so by going to newcity.us slash baptism. There's an interest form there, and I'll be in touch with you this week, no matter where you are, about helping you take those next steps. And because of your generosity, New City, we were able to give a donation to Convoy of Hope, who are on the front lines of providing crisis relief to those suffering in Texas. You can give to that fund, Serve National, um, on the website. And we, again, just want to thank you for your generosity. Thank you so much for creating this culture of radical generosity. If you want to give today, go to newcity.us give. Now let's join Joel and worship together. Welcome to New City Online. My name is Joel. I think this is a new song for you all. So if you would just listen and really let the words sink in. And whenever you catch on, start to declare this over yourself.
won't bow to idols. Mm, I won't bow to idols. I'll stand strong and worship you. And if it puts me in the fire, I'll rejoice because you're there too. I won't be formed by feelings. I'll hold fast to what is true. And if the cross brings transformation, then I'll be crucified with you.
for our sins and thank you that that was good enough for every sin because after we're saved we continue to sin but God it's, it's just a once and for all thing salvation cannot be lost God we can't earn your love we can't ever be loved more or less and we thank you for that God it's unconditional I pray that you bless this service Lord in Jesus name amen Today, we're gonna to continue our series, Stories Jesus Told, with a look at the parable of the speck and the log from Matthew 7. So go ahead and turn there in your Bible or the New City app as you have time. And as a reminder, if you'd like to go further with any of these sermons, we have a sermon study guide available on the app as well. These questions are designed to be discussed with your community group or your family and begin to take what you've heard in the sermon today and apply it to your everyday life. Now here's Chris with part two of Stories Jesus Told. This is a story Jesus told. It comes from Matthew chapter 13, verses 24 through 30. The kingdom of heaven is like a farmer who planted a good seed in his field. But that night, as the workers slept, an enemy came and planted weeds among the wheat, then slipped away. When the crop began to grow and produce grain, the weeds also grew. The farmer's workers went and said to him, Sir, 
The field where you planted the good seed is full of weeds. Where did they come from? An enemy has done this, the farmer exclaimed. Should we pull out the weeds, they asked. No, he replied. You'll uproot the weeds if you do. Let both grow together until the harvest. Then we will tell the harvesters to sort out the weeds, tie them into bundles, and burn them, and put the wheat in the barn. Well, we started a sermon series last week here at New City entitled The Stories Jesus Told. And these stories were really unique in the sense that while Jesus was telling this everyday common reality, he was also uh, telling a kingdom principle to go right alongside of it. And so these stories known as parables um, really come from, from that truth that while, while Jesus was telling a story that would have been known to people, he was casting alongside of it a kingdom principle that we needed to live out in our lives. And in the Gospel of Matthew, uh, he records 22 of these unique stories known as parables. And we're going to walk through every single one of them. And again, what Jesus is doing with these parables is he's, he's telling a story that we would have known, but right alongside of it, he's casting this kingdom truth that we need to apply to our lives. So we're going to be in the second story today, which is found in Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 5. So I want to invite you to open your scriptures wherever you might be and follow along. If you have the New City app open, you can look at the scripture that's already preloaded and the outline there, as well as we continue today the stories that Jesus told. Let's, let's pray together as we begin. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for your truth. Um, thank you for telling your truth to us in a way that we can understand and easily access. And I pray today that you would help us uh, to step towards you and to step towards your grace. Um, thank you for this story today that we're looking at and how it teaches us to look to the cross. Um, it teaches us to embrace your grace and your love in our hearts first and then to share that with other people around us. So thank you for entering into our reality, Jesus, and help us today to see from your reality through this story. We pray this in your name. Amen. So there was a man that was sailing for Europe on an ocean liner. And when he got onto the ocean liner, um, he discovered that he was going to have a cabin mate, somebody who was going to share his room. And when he saw this person and looked at their appearance, he made the decision that he was going to take his valuables and, and store them in the ship's safe. So he found an officer on the ship and said, I don't normally do this, but by looking at my cabin mate, I think it would be best if I, if I took my valuables and I, I put them in the safe. And the officer said, oh, it's, it's, it's no problem. Your, your roommate was already up here and he asked to do the very same thing. Have you ever felt judged before? You ever felt like somebody was, was sizing you up, um, was making or drawing a conclusion about you based on your appearance or by your words or maybe where you came from. I wonder how that felt to you. Have you, have you ever judged someone? This is a, a more difficult question. Have you ever sized somebody up? Have you ever looked at their appearance or their words or you know, maybe where they came from and you just drew a conclusion really quickly about them? I, I wonder where that judgment comes from. You know, the story that Jesus is telling here in Matthew chapter seven verses one through five, is a story about, about judgment and about why we judge and, and, and what happens when we judge someone and where that comes from. And oftentimes this story is, is quoted, but it's not really understood. 
In fact, it's one of the most often uh, quoted stories of Jesus, parables of Jesus, but maybe one of the least understood, which can be a, a, a dangerous combination. So, so let's, let's see if we can, we can remedy that today because a lot of people look at this story about judging other people and they say, well, you, you can't judge me or you can't say anything about my life or, or who put you in the place of God? And would you be surprised to learn that this story and the story that Jesus told here in Matthew 7, he's not forbidding or prohibiting any sort of moral discernment about other people's actions or behaviors. Um, Jesus isn't saying that we can't speak into other people's lives about things that are falling short of his standard. But what he's really talking about here is the posture, the attitude that we carry into that of judgment. So let's start with verse one here, chapter seven in Matthew, this second parable story that Jesus told uh, with the principle of the story. Uh, Beginning in verse one, Jesus says, judge not that you be not judged. Judge not lest you be judged. Now again, you you could hear that and think, well, uh, Jesus is saying that we can't judge anybody else. But actually the, the word here, judge, is krino in the Greek. And it means to condemn. Or another definition of the word krino is to draw a conclusion. So we're, we're drawing a quick conclusion or we're, and, and then we're condemning someone for an action or a behavior. And again, this points back to our attitude and posture. Here, here's what we know just principally that, that, that Jesus is not saying. We know that he's not saying that, that you can't have courts or judges or hold people accountable to their behavior. That, that was happening and Jesus didn't condemn that. And we also uh, know that Jesus wasn't saying that we couldn't make moral decisions or judgments about action or character. In fact, later on in this chapter, he's going to talk about exposing false teaching and making a judgment about teaching and making sure that, that people were teaching the truth. And when they weren't, holding them accountable and, and speaking into that. Uh, later on in, in Matthew chapter um, 18, Jesus is going to talk about how we enter into to people's stories and, and hold them accountable for uh, bad decisions or actions and how to really come alongside someone in order to help them, which is a moral discernment about their behavior. The apostle Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 that that we should exercise church discipline. In other words, other people who are Christ followers, we should should hold them accountable to their decisions and and, and their behavior uh, in grace and in truth. Um, Later on, Paul's going to write to Titus and Timothy, his two spiritual sons, and and say, you know, when you're putting elders or other people in uh, positions of authority or leadership within these churches that we've planted, you should discern about their character. Um, You should look at their lives and the way that they're living. So, So we know that Jesus isn't saying that we, we can't uh, have any kind of moral discernment or uh, speak into somebody's life or even give a correction. The principle, again, let's start here with the story in verse one. The principle of what Jesus is saying here is, is that uh, we shouldn't harbor judgment or bring an attitude of judgment in the place of God towards someone else. And he's paralleling this to the Pharisees, many of who would have been listening to this sermon that Jesus was preaching in this particular section, who were guiding people in religiosity as blind guides. The, the parallel passage to this story in Matthew 7 is found in Luke chapter 6. Uh, maybe you would go and read it this week. And Luke goes even further to describe people who harbor this type of judgment that Jesus is is preaching against as blind guides. 
uh, it's sort of the blind leading the blind. That's, that's literally what Jesus is saying. And so the, the principle of the story is that I've got to look to the cross and, and receive God's grace before I could even think about stepping into someone else's story or leading uh, them in a way towards grace or towards, or towards forgiveness. So oftentimes we use, see if you think this is uh, true in your own life, we use a microscope in, in looking at other people's lives and the way they live their lives, the way they speak, the way they act. We, we, we zoom in really close and we can find all the flaws and the faults in their, in their life. But we, we use the wrong end of a telescope uh, to look at our own hearts. So it's, it's, it's very difficult to see our own shortcomings and flaws. But, but oftentimes it's, it's easier for us to hold that microscope up and, and to see it in other people's lives and to move towards a, a posture or a position of judging. And that's what Jesus is talking about here. Uh, the heart that has experienced grace um, wants other people to experience grace. But the heart that's still living under law wants other people to experience that same law. And that's really the principle of what Jesus is, is uh, saying here in this story. It's a, it's a principle of the reality of grace and our need for grace. Um, without looking first to the cross, I look to myself. And when I look to myself without, without the cross and without grace, I want to put myself above other people. So, you know, it's like I, I, I want to step above people or step on people's heads when I'm not able to see myself first through the lens of the cross and grace. And that leads to comparison. And so when I'm comparing myself to other people, it, it, it invariably leads to, to judgment. And what's interesting, isn't it amazing how we can always find other people that we think that we're, we're in a place of superiority over? We can always find people that we think are worse than us. It's amazing that in any culture, any society, people will find sort of a, a pecking order and they'll place themselves over people. And, and it's always amazing too that we're, you know, we're always sort of uh, one step above uh, the, other, the, uh, the other people that we're, that we're judging. You know, we, we always think we're one uh, place closer to God than, than they are. And, and that really comes from a place of living under judgment ourselves. And so Jesus is saying, really, it's about my heart. The principle of this is the posture in which I'm, I'm interacting with other people. Have I experienced grace through the cross or, or have I not? The apostle Paul said it this way in Romans 14, verses 10 through 12. Let me read it to you. He says, why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or you, why do you despise your brother? Listen to this, for we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. And then he quotes from Isaiah, the apostle Paul does here. And he says, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. So in other words, what Paul is saying is, but before the throne of God, we're on level ground. There is no pecking order. I, I, I can't judge someone else because I'm, I'm sitting under the same judgment. So I've got to come through grace. I've got to understand that it's all grace. And when I approach someone else, I've got to come with that posture and that position. In other words, what, what Jesus is saying here is don't sit on the king's seat. 
that he, he's the only one that is able to sit and to judge other people rightly. One of the great stains of, of Christianity is that we kind of default to two different postures. We, 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 don't, we don't speak into anything uh, that's going on. We don't give any moral discernment. We don't, we don't call out anything. And in that way, we can become accomplices to sin. We, we can sort of go along with it and become accessories to it. Or the second way that we miss is that we, we go to absolute judgment and we become hypocrites, right? This is what Paul is saying is because we have sin and brokenness in our life. And when we stand before uh, God who is pure and holy, all of us fall short. And so in that second posture of just judging everything, we kind of create our own little cancel culture as Christians. And we, as Paul says, we, we despise people and we cancel them with our judgment and our posture. We become blind eyes, uh, blind guides. Um, but, but there's a third way, right? There, there's, there's another way. It doesn't have to be that I, I, I don't speak into anything or I don't name anything as sin or that I walk around judging everybody else in order to, to put myself in a place of superiority over them, which is the very attitude that Jesus is talking about in the principle here. There's a third way that Jesus demonstrates all throughout his life and ministry. And specifically in John chapter 8, there's a demonstration of how, of how we, can, we can speak moral discernment about things that fall short of God's standard, but we can do so with a posture of humility and grace. And again, Jesus models this. There's a, there's a woman who's caught in adultery. You might be familiar with the story in John 8. And some of those blind guides that Jesus is referring to here, the religious leaders and teachers, they, they bring her to Jesus and they say that this woman has committed adultery and the law says that, that she should be stoned. What do you say? And Jesus begins, you remember, he begins writing. And, and then uh, he says, let him who is without sin do what? You cast the first stone. You, you uh, enact the judgment here. You put yourself in the place of God. Those of you who are without sin, you sit on the throne of God in the seat of judgment and you cast the first stone. And then he goes back to, to writing again. And when he looks up, there's no one there. And he says to the woman, does anyone condemn you? And she says, no, no one does. And he says the, these words, listen to this, because this is the third way, the way of grace. He says, neither do I condemn you. But then he finishes with this. Now go, and sin no more. Jesus, the only one who would have, have been able to rightly judge as, as, the, as the only one who was pure and perfect, doesn't. He doesn't condemn. He doesn't cancel. He doesn't conclude. But he also says, go and sin no more. He makes a moral discernment about her behavior and says, stop it. Don't do this anymore. He doesn't say, neither do I condemn you. Now just be more discreet about how you're living. He doesn't say, neither do I condemn you. Now just go and live however you want to and as long as you're happy. Jesus names sin as sin and says, it's not God's best for you. You should stop it and go and live a different way. But I'm not condemning you. And isn't this a beautiful picture of, of a third way that we can handle this, of, of not sitting on the sidelines and never saying anything and becoming an accomplice to sin and brokenness, but also not sitting in God's seat and judging everything and being a hypocrite. Instead, we enter through grace into someone's story and say, we're not condemning or concluding or judging, but we're also going to call sin, sin in order to help you to live the way that God wants you to. And this is the justification of the story. It's found in verse two. 
he continues, Jesus does by saying, the judgment that you pronounce on someone else, you're going to be judged in the same way. The way you measure, it's going to be used to measure you. In other words, if you measure someone by the law, that same, you're under the same law. If I'm, if I'm doing the whole pecking order thing to try to, to be above someone else, that means I'm still under the law. Right? The only way that I can really move towards someone in grace is if I'm experiencing that grace myself. So in verse 2, we see sort of like the theological reasoning here, the, the heart of God, the understanding about how God operates. Uh, really, it's saying that the judgmental person is not offering forgiveness or correction because they're arrogant or they're ignorant of the grace of God and their own heart. And so by judging someone else openly, by sitting in the place of God, I'm actually demonstrating that I don't know anything about the heart of God, that I don't know anything of grace. You know, Tim Keller says it this way about the cross. When we look to the cross, when we look to the heart of God, the, the justification of the story and why Jesus told this parable, the very heart of God, when we look at the cross, we, we gain confidence because we see the truth of God there and that there is a standard. There is truth to be known and to be discerned. But we also, when we look to the cross, we gain humility because we realize our great need and that left unto ourselves, that we're not gonna make it, that it's only by God's grace. And so when we look to Jesus, when we look to the heart of the cross, we gain confidence to, to make moral discernments, but we also gain humility to know that we're under that same law, but for grace, and that we all fall short of God's perfect standard, and that Jesus moved towards us in grace and in love and in truth and naming the reality of our brokenness. What's interesting here in verse two, again, just the, the, the heart of God here and the justification of the story is that the, the wording here is, is suggests a, another uh, proverbial saying that the Jews in the audience here, because this is in the context of the Sermon on the Mount, the, the, the Jews who were primarily a, uh, the, the crowd that was listening that day, they would have known this saying. Uh, in the Mishnah, we find almost the same um, recording as in verse two, this whole idea of you know, the same judgment that you pronounce is gonna be uh, pronounced back on you. The same measure that you measure other people, it'll be measured back to you. So in other words, it's, it's another picture of what these um, uh, parables were. Uh, a familiar story or understanding, and then God's gonna come, Jesus is gonna come and cast along kingdom truth right alongside the familiar. And so they would have understood verse two as a colloquialism, this, this understanding. And now Jesus is gonna say, you know, kind of twist it and say, but here's the deal. If you're using that as a measuring stick for other people, what it's actually proving is that you're under the same measuring stick. And so it's, it's driving us to a place of grace. So the plea here is, is not to turn a blind eye. That's not what Jesus is saying. It's a, it's a plea from Jesus, judge not, to be generous with grace in the same way that that grace has been generous to you. And it's pointing us back to the cross. It's also, just, just finally here before we get to, the, to the, um, the, the story itself, it's renouncing our desire to be God. You know, that's, that's the original sin, right? Back in Genesis 3, is that we wanna be God ourselves. And, and, and part of the role of God is, is to judge, to be on the throne. And so by saying, I'm not going to condemn or um, conclude someone's story by just one scene in their life, because that's oftentimes what we do. We see one scene of their whole story and we draw this conclusion on their whole life. And only God can do that. 
And so when we, when we step back and we don't condemn other people and we don't conclude in this way of what the word judge means, we're, we're renouncing our desire to be God um, and to make everybody into our image instead of being made into the image of God. We're saying, I'm not gonna sit on the king's seat. I'm refusing to do that. Now, here's the story itself. This is an interesting parable because Jesus starts with kind of the principle and then the, the justification or the reasoning of why he's gonna tell the story. And then he tells the story. Let me, let, me, let, me, let me read it to you again here, beginning in verse three. Why do you see the speck that's in your brother's eye, but you don't notice the log that's in your own eye? Verse four, or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there's a log in your own eye? And then here's the word, verse five, you're a hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye and then you're gonna see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. So Jesus is drawing from personal experience here as a carpenter. He worked with stone and, and with wood as a craftsman and he probably had specks of wood that had flown into his, his own eye. Have you ever had that happen to you? Uh, you've, gotten something, you've got something in your eye and it irritates you and you can't see. You would never think to perform surgery or to do something with your hands. Uh, you know, if you have something in your eye to do something that would require precision or to be delicate with someone else, you would, you would never think to do that. And that's what Jesus is saying. You've got something in your eye. Why would you ever think to, to enter into somebody else's life and to help them until you've allowed God to help you to get it out of your own eye? So the motivation here is to do with sin in your own life so that you can go and help someone else to de deal with the sin in their life. So it's not, hey, deal with your stuff and then let everybody just kind of move on with their life. Jesus says here in verse five, the motivation is I'm gonna let grace deal with me so that I can rightly enter into someone else's story and help them, help them to experience grace and help them to experience the life that God has for them but I'm not gonna do it in a judging way, drawing a conclusion or condemning. I'm gonna do it in a correcting way and moving them towards the cross to experience what God has for them. Sometimes our own judgment, let me, let me finish here. Sometimes our, our own judgment of someone for the, the speck in their eye is really about the guilt that we have in our own hearts for, for the log that we have in our eye to use Jesus's story here. You know, he's using hyperbole. It's an, an, an intentional exaggeration to make, to make his listeners deal with their own stuff. And sometimes, see if you agree with me here, sometimes it's easier to deal with other people's stuff than it is to, to deal with our own stuff. And sometimes our judgment is actually just a cover for not wanting God's grace to deal with our own hearts, to come to terms with our own brokenness and the way that we fall short of God's standard. In an interesting twist here, uh, the word speck and the word log come from the same root Greek word. And so, uh, in other words, Jesus could be saying that the reason some people are so good at finding fault in other people's lives is because they're very familiar with it in their own life. That speck and that log come from the same root. So I see something in someone else's life because I'm very familiar with it in my own life. I love this quote from Henry Now, and he says, Compassion can never coexist with judgment. Now think about that for just a minute. Compassion can never coexist with judgment. And when Jesus saw the crowds oftentimes throughout his ministry, it says that his heart was filled with compassion. 
And he stepped towards people with that compassion in grace and in truth. You know, the whole incarnation, the gospel itself, Jesus leaving heaven and coming to earth is an act of compassion, of stepping towards us. But judgment oftentimes causes us to take a step back so that we can point a finger or cast a stone. And so maybe the application here, the the very story itself is a question for us of am I stepping towards someone in compassion? Not to condemn them or to conclude their whole story based on one scene of their life, but to help them to step towards them with truth and grace, to help them enter into the story of God and receive his grace and receive even more life. To say, hey, the way that you're living, the way that you're acting is not God's best for you. And I want something for you, not against you. Is that what we're doing when we step towards someone? Or are we stepping sort of away from them and and, and pointing a finger and casting a stone? What Jesus is saying here in this story, this, this parable that he told, is he's offering us to look to the cross again. It's a principle of grace, right? It's looking to the cross and recognizing that Jesus stepped towards us. That's what the cross teaches us, that he met us in our brokenness and bridged the gap from where we were to where he is. That's what the parables do. And then it sets us up to be able to go and do the same for other people, but it's gotta start with us. We look to the cross and then we look to our own log in our life, our own brokenness. And then in grace and truth, we're able to step into other people's lives and to help them to look to the cross for themselves. The bottom line today, Matthew 7 verses 1 through 5, don't sit in the king's seat. The the, the throne of heaven is already occupied. And Jesus teaches us, right, to look to to the throne, to look to God and to receive grace in our own hearts and then to enter into that grace and that truth in other people's hearts and their lives. To him alone be the glory today. Would you pray with me? Jesus, thank you for stepping towards us, for having compassion upon us. You could have condemned, but you you chose instead to step towards us and to, to offer grace. So help us not to receive that that grace in vain, but to use that grace to bring correction in our own hearts and then to, with courage and confidence, step towards other people in love and help them to receive the same. Would you help us not to have a judgmental heart? Would you forgive us for the ways that we've done that in the past and the ways that we might be doing that now and the ways that we might be tempted to do it in the future? And would you use this story to teach us the way of grace? the way of looking to the cross and stepping into other people's story with the same. So give us the wisdom today to know what you're speaking to us through your word and give us the courage now as we go to obey. We'll give you the glory for it in the name of Jesus. Amen.
much for worshiping with us today, New City family. If you would, extend your hands for a benediction as we go. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Turn his countenance to you and give you peace. Go in peace, New City. Thank you.